Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm passing the phone to somebody who got the biggest head in the universe. I'm passing the phone to the man with the most jewelry on the team. I'm passing the phone to someone who, although he's one of the greatest football players of all time, he may be one of the great dancers of all time and possibly one of the greatest singers of all time. Hey guys, thank you for the nomination. That's why I was on The Masked Singer, because I got secret dance moves and secret singing skills. Or stop, collaborate, and listen. Refugees back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flow like a poon daily and nightly. Will ever stop, yo? I don't know. Turn off the lights up, and I'll glow. No, you can't have the last 30 seconds of your life back. It's PFT Live Friday edition. I have two observations. First of all, what in the hell is going on with Tom Brady's hair? Can we bring back a still frame of that? Did he just stick a fork in a light socket? Something that we do not recommend that you do on either side of the Atlantic Ocean. And secondly, for him, past the phone is about to be past a stone. He's getting to that age. Hello, Miles Simmons. Welcome back. It's another Friday closer to death. My goodness, what an intro between kidney stones and now we're sticking forks and light sockets. My God, happy belated birthday. You're another birthday closer to death, too, you know, by the way. I'm I'm aware. Someone told me that on Tuesday. I can't remember who it was, but uh, had all of these nice little heartfelt (laughs) video messages with no sarcasm from anyone who's connected to the website. And then. And then someone pointed out I'm another birthday closer to death. But uh, but anyway, I'm just having some fun here. But but Tom, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Tom, Tom, I, you can you can eat all the avocado ice cream you want. You can dye your hair all you want. You're still going to get old and you're going to die like the rest of us. The sooner you come to terms with it, the sooner you'll have peace in your days. That's all I'm saying. I've come to terms with it. Maybe at some point between 44 and 56 miles, he'll come to terms with it. Or maybe he'll just be Peter Pan his whole life. It'll be fun to watch for as long as I'm around to watch it. Look, I think that he's just going to continue to play football until he can't play football anymore. So if that's the case, then, Tom, you know what? Pretend that you're young, man. Do it. I say just continue to do it because you're still playing great football. You know, he just won the Super Bowl. So I don't know why you got to be such a hater, Mike. 
Why you got to be such a hater on a Friday? Uh, because we're another Friday closer to death. T-shirts now available <laughs> at julianedelman.com. They're moving fast. I-, I don't know when we get our check from Julian. I need to check in with Julian about that. One week closer to death. Outselling Foxborough forever. I wonder how many of those he sold. Anyway, let's get to it. Let's go from New England and Tampa Bay to the other side of the country, to Seattle. Because not only is Russell Wilson present for offseason workouts in Seattle, unlike another disgruntled quarterback or two, Russell Wilson is speaking to reporters. And Russell Wilson would like us all to know that Back when things got a little bit hairy in February, he did not ask the team to trade him. Here's Russell. I think there were some, you know, uh, unfortunate frustrations after the season. Obviously, you want to win it all and do it all and do everything you can, you know. And I think everybody on our team does. We, we all want to win it. And, um, you know, I, I think unfortunately it got a little... Uh, you know, a um, little bit blown, blown out of proportion a little bit. Um, I think that my ultimate goal is to win. You know, I get paid to win. I get paid to find a way. I get paid to for us to be able to make a play, you know, continue to find ways to win. Um, and we've done a lot of that over the years. And, uh, you know, the mission is to continue to do the same but do a little bit more. And uh, I think the reality is is that that's the only thing I'm focused on is, is winning and, and doing whatever it takes to win. That's why I wake up every day and lace my cleats on and train every day. Um, and that's what my teammates are doing too. And so uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, in terms of the trade talks, I think anytime you play professional sports, there's always a possibility of something happen, right? And I think that's just the reality. I think that there's a lot of teams out there that people were saying that I was going to or would go to. I requested a trade. I did not request a trade. Um, I've always wanted to play here. Um, you know, and, and the reality is, uh, you know, uh, I think calls were getting thrown around and this and that. And I think that's just a reality. Um, <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, the, the real reality is that I'm here and I'm here to win. I'm here to win it all. Well, I think there was a lot of confusion because uh, the reality is, is that I forget. I think I was in the Bahamas or somewhere and everybody was saying that I requested a trade and that wasn't true. So we made it clear that I did not request a trade. And then there was teams being flown around that I was going to go to those teams, this and that. And so, you know, I think that, you know, when you look back at it, you know, it's it's part of uh, I don't know. It's, I think it's part of it, um, unfortunately, um, you know, and I think that you know, more than anything else, you know, that I got my wish, you know, in the sense that I've always wanted to play here. That's, that's where I am. That's where I am right now. And, uh, that's, that's what I've always hoped for ever since 2012 when I put all the names in a hat and pulled out the Seahawks out of a hat, you know, and then, uh, sure enough about, I know, 30 days later, the Seattle Seahawks picked me. So, you know, that's, that's my mission. That's my goal. And that's, that's why I'm here today and ready to roll. Okay. I mean, that's fine. I I wouldn't have expected Anything else from a guy who had been rehearsing and conducting press conferences since he, since he was a little boy? That's well documented. He's mm-hmm. He's been groomed for these moments. And he really couldn't have said anything other than what he said. Not that anyone who's been paying close attention to the story is going to buy it. I, it has never happened before that I'm aware of, Miles, that a franchise quarterback's agent has come out and said, my client doesn't want to be traded. But in the event that he is... Here are the four teams to which he would gladly accept a change of address. Raiders, Bears, Cowboys, Saints. That's never happened before. And you could tell that he was about to just tap out when it was getting close to that point. And if, 
if there would have been a break for someone to kind of pounce and ask him a tougher question, that's a problem with press conferences. You don't get the back and forth that you would in an interview. But if someone had a chance to really grill him on this, he's not going to hold up very well under questioning because obviously he authorized his agent to say what he said. This wasn't a product of teams being thrown around. No teams were being thrown around. What was being thrown around is this guy wants out. And while we're trying to come to terms with him wanting out, that's when his agent drops the four teams he'd play for, Miles. So, look, again, he said what he had to say because now he's in Seahawks mode because he has no choice. He didn't get traded. So he's got to love the one he's with until next February when he tries it all over again, maybe with some other strategy. Ah, yes, there is a rose and a fisted glove and the eagle flies with the dove. And that's why... He's got to be able to just say, I love the Seahawks, man, and I have always wanted to be here. And that is just the beautiful thing I think about this is that when you have Russell Wilson and when he starts talking, he just, like you said, he's been rehearsing how to be in press conferences since he was a little kid. And like that just makes him the robot of all of the robots. But you can't tell me that things got blown out of proportion when your agent was the one who released the list of four teams that you would be traded to in the event that you had actually requested a trade. So I don't know that anybody was actually saying that Russell Wilson had requested a trade, at at least the way I recall things going on back in February when all this stuff started coming out. I just feel like it was more one day, you know, we had heard after uh, he went on the Dan Patrick show and all of that different stuff that, if he, wanted, if he was going to be traded, then these are the four teams that he would want to go to. And I don't recall ever hearing something like that either, especially when it's a franchise quarterback who was just in the postseason. And I mean, they did pretty well that year, right? They won the division. Did they win that playoff game against Los Angeles Rams at home? No, they did not. But I think Russell Wilson is still in a position where it's like, wow he would get traded to these four teams. That's a big, big deal. And you can't say that that's blown out of proportion. It's not. I didn't ask for a trade because I didn't have to ask for a trade because my discontent was well documented by virtue of the things I said into a microphone with Dan Patrick. That was all contrived, engineered, manufactured. That played out exactly the way that Russell Wilson and his agent Mark Rogers wanted it to play out. Wilson pulled the pin himself on live radio and TV. You don't need to go knock on Pete Carroll's door after that. You've made your discontent known, not to mention how miserable he looked sitting in the luxury suite with his wife and the commissioner watching Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes play in the game that Russell wants to play in every single year. Got to win, got to win, got to win, got to win. I don't know that you and I have had this conversation, but I really continue to be fascinated by the disconnect between telling little kids, why do you got to win all the time? Let somebody else have a turn. And (laughs) admiring adults who are obsessed with winning, 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 winning. It can only be winning. All I can do is win. I have to win. I'm here to win. I got to win. It's not how you play the game. It's how you win the game. But regardless, it, it torments him. This is a guy who wants to be regarded as the greatest of all time. And maybe if he was with the right team, he'd be on that path. That's what he believes. He believes he's Patrick Mahomes stuck in a team that wants him to be Jim Zorn. And that's where the pressure is. That's why this isn't going away. Unless Shane Waldron, the new offensive coordinator, Miles, 
turns this guy into Patrick Mahomes, it's not going away. No, it, it's not. And, you know, I think the interesting thing that we all know is that Pete Carroll wants to win these games by running the ball, controlling the game, and playing really, really good defense. That, that's, that's who Pete Carroll is. That's who they've been the entire time that Pete Carroll has been there. And the one time they didn't was, you know, last year when we started talking about let Russ cook, let Russ cook. And it worked for a while up until it didn't. And then at that point, Pete Carroll reverted to who he is at his core, which is we're going to run the ball. We're going to control the game. We're going to control the clock. And we're going to try to play as good a defense as we possibly can. That's how they won the division last year. That's how they've been successful for however long it's been that Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson have been together. I mean, it's almost been a decade of success that they've had. Right? So when you're looking at it from that perspective, I understand why Pete Carroll wants to do the things that he wants to do. But I do also understand Russell Wilson, who feels like, man, I am very good. Everybody around this league regards me as one of the top quarterbacks in this league. I want to be able to play in a situation where I can win championships and then my legacy is such that I am thought of as one of the greatest of all time. And anybody who thinks that players don't think about their legacy are sorely mistaken because of course they do. And like you were just said, like you just said, Mike, like everybody thinks about winning. That's how they do this. That's how driven they are. That's why they're successful. So of course he's going to be thinking about how are they going to think about me once I'm out of this game? Tom Brady's got seven. Patrick Mahomes has one. Aaron Rodgers has one. Russell Wilson has one. Russell Wilson wants more than one. He wants all of them. And this Tom Brady experience from last year, I think, has thrown a wrench into so many franchises from the standpoint of getting their quarterbacks to the point where they look at what's going on with Brady. They say, I'm better than that guy. I can throw it farther. I can run faster. I can win better if I'm in a spot where they listen to me. Remember the report from The Athletic that after the Seahawks lost a couple of games when other teams were catching up with the changes they made offensively to let Russ cook. You come out of the gates for the first six, seven weeks, everything's fine. Then they pick up your tendencies and your tells and they start shutting you down and you don't know how to counter it because you're not self-scouting yourself the way that you should. He comes in with some ideas in advance of the Thursday night game against the Cardinals and they basically politely tell him, get the hell out of here. Or not politely, but you just work here. That, that's, that's what this all comes back to. The you just work here attitude. That's the attitude that's been directed to Aaron Rodgers. That's the attitude that's been directed to Russell Wilson. That's not the attitude that's been directed to Tom Brady. That's the core of this. And that's why Russell is, was, let me conjugate properly, is now accepting of his situation. Was in February trying to find an escape route. And one of the ways that he made his discontent clear was in expressing dissatisfaction about the number of sacks that he takes. He was asked yesterday about whether that has necessitated any type of heartfelt conversations with the men charged with the task of blocking for him. Here's the question he was asked and his answer. With the comments you made about the offensive line and being frustrated with getting hit, some people have taken that as maybe criticism of the offensive line. Do you, do you feel like that's anything you would need to sort of clear up within the offensive line, or do you feel like, you know, did you mean that as sort of a direct criticism of the, the offensive line in general? Not not at all about the offensive line. I think that I also mentioned, you know, I mentioned that, 
you know, the reality is, is that I can do better too. You know, I think that's, we're all, we're all trying to find ways to win. We're all trying to find ways to be better, you know? And I think that, you know, listen, I, Dwayne Brown's one of my closest friends, man. And I guys, everything to me, you know, I, I think about D Lou and what, what a player he, you know, he, he was last year. He's going into his second year. You know, I think about a guy like Posick, who's been tremendous up front and how smart he's been. Uh, I'm excited about Gabe Jackson. He's been amazing in the Zoom calls. He's been amazing in his approach, uh, how tough he is. I've watched a lot of film of him, um, you know, and just how good he's been. Um, you know, and then obviously Shell over there at right tackle, you know, and, and, and you know, got a lot of got a lot of other guys that can play too as well. So I, I think that, you know, I think about, you know, a guy like Kyle who, who stepped in to play center for us in a big game last year against the Rams and, you know, played injured and played dinged up and all that. Um, you know, I, I love my teammates. The reality is, is that, you know, guys, I think about guys like Bobby Wagner, a guy I played, this is going to be my 10th year with him, you know, how special he is and, and how special our bond is. You know, I think about a guy like DK Metcalf, he's like my little brother, Tyler Lockett, who's, you know, one of the most, you know, unbelievable people you can ever meet, but also talented guys you could play with. I think about the hard work Freddie Swain's put in, Chris Carson. I think about, you know, our, you know Jamal Adams and how amazing he's been in addition to our team, you know, obviously Diggs and and other guys as well. And, um, you know, so for me, you know, playing on this team means a lot to me. Winning uh, means everything to me. And I think that's uh, the heart of hearts. of and, I, and, and everybody on my team and everybody on our team in the locker room, they, they all know that about me is that I'm going to do whatever it takes to win and try to find a way to win every play, every moment, every second. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's just in my blood. I, I like how he looked away to make sure no one from his team was sneaking up on him. <laughs> they were listening to that. Look, hey, I, I, I love Russell Wilson. I do. I think he's a great quarterback. And I understand why he says what he says. I get it. I get it, right? He's saying what he thinks he has to say. Whether he truly believes it or not, it's a different issue. He's saying what he thinks he has to say. And we always knew there was going to be a reckoning when he said what he said back in February. We knew there was going to be a cleanup on aisle five at some point. And the mop and the bucket were going to be out. And I just think it was funny that that he starts off, you know, rattling off the names like, hey, guys, hey, hey, I said all of your names. How can you be mad at me? I said all your names. And then while he was at it, he just started throwing out every other name he could think of on the team, because if he said enough names, maybe by the time he stopped talking, the reporters would forget what the topic was. I think it's brilliant, Miles. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I've, I love all my guys up front. Gabe Jackson just got here. See, I know your name, too, my guy. But oh, look, at the defensive <laughs> side, we've got Bobby Wagner. Oh, my goodness, Jamal Adams. I love this guy, too. I mean, I wish I had started counting all of the names that he just started saying when he was doing that because that was one. Of, it's, it reminds me of a couple years ago when the Rams were in the playoffs and Sean McVay started, like, rattling off all those names. I think, actually, it was before the playoffs when he was talking about the Bears. Against like, the Bears. Oh, yeah, they've got, yeah. Yes, yeah. They've got all these guys on defense. And I know every don't single start. Don't, get, don't get me started that a head coach who's an offensive expert <laughs> happens to know the name of all starters <laughs> on the defense he's about to play that weekend. And everyone was amazed. Yeah. He knows all their names. Well, no, no. Sh- almost got myself in trouble. No Whoa. crap he does. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No bleep, right? Yeah, exactly. He should know the names. That's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to attack those guys. But yeah, I mean. Wilson, I think you're right. He knows exactly what he has to say. So he then goes out there and he says it. But like, when you look at what he said on the Dan Patrick show, he said, we have to get better up front. That is a direct criticism of the offensive line. 
And so whether or not he's going to say, no, I, do, I have to apologize. No, I don't have to apologize. I'm not going to admit that you needed to apologize in a press conference. At least I, I probably wouldn't, especially if that thing is on Zoom and I'm looking into you know a laptop and I'm not actually seeing people in person. And so I think that maybe they can't quite read my body language as well as they might be able to otherwise. But you can't say, again, that this is not what you said when you said it. We can go back, we can listen to the quotes, we can read the quotes, we can watch it because it's on a clip on YouTube, right? Like it, it's there, it's there in 4K, man, they caught you. So I don't really know what else you want to say, Russell Wilson, but like once you start rattling off all of these names, yeah, it does sort of serve as like a little distraction from maybe the topic at hand. There was a time, Miles, back when you were probably collecting Cleveland Browns football cards and picking out the Ravens cards and throwing them into the fireplace where Peyton Manning, after a playoff loss, said, I'm trying to be a good teammate here. Let's just say we had problems in pass protection and got killed for it, destroyed for it. And what he said was about 15 degrees tamer than what Russell Wilson said with his own mouth back in February when he was trying to agitate for a trade without actually saying the words, trade me. So again, clean up on aisle five. I get it. The dog went somewhere that the dog shouldn't have gone. Got to have that pet cleanup. Got to do it. I get it. But, but look, you, 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 he can't take away what you said. And you said what you said for a specific strategic reason. There are no accidents with Russell Wilson. And he knew that someday if he didn't get the trade that he wanted, he was going to have to put the toothpaste back in the, as Shereen Williams would say, toothpaste holder. That's it. It's that simple. It's that simple. So you accept it for what it is. We knew it was inevitable. He's going to try to make it work this year. And if it doesn't, we're going to do it again next year. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Where are they going to be traded to next year? if it doesn't work this year for the Seahawks. Yeah, well, it, it's just, we're in a situation where now that it, it's go, it, it's over, right? You know, you're not going to trade Russell Wilson at this point. At least I don't think that you would, because if you do, then you probably wouldn't be very competitive in what's going to be a very competitive division that is the NFC West this season. So I just feel like until there is some sort of real tangible resolution, I don't know that we're going to get that in Seattle with Russell Wilson, just by the way things have gone here over the last year or so, then this is gonna be the cycle that continues to come up. So look, I mean, Russell Wilson in Seattle, they seem to have mended fences enough to get by this year. But I mean, I I just don't know that we're going to be able to say, yeah, Russell Wilson is gonna be a Seahawk for life. At this point, it just doesn't seem like to me that's going to be the case. When he did his last contract two years ago, someone said to me, this is the last contract he's doing with the Seahawks. And I still believe that. He's got three years left. Got three years left. Typically, it's time to go back to the well with one year left. So we're two years away from the next negotiation, if he's even there in two years. Next negotiation is going to be $50 million plus. And at some point, it's, it's, it's very simple. At some point, he wants more than what he's worth to the Seahawks because the Seahawks don't use him the way that they should be using a guy like Russell Wilson. That's what he believes. That's what others believe. And the only way we're going to find out is if he goes to a team that uses him like Patrick Mahomes. That's it, plain and simple. And that tension is going to be there. You can set it aside from July through whenever your season ends, but it comes back, especially if you don't win. 
especially if you watch Tom Brady get number eight or Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes get number two and double your output of Super Bowl wins. So it's not going anywhere, anytime in the same division as Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks is Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler's got zero Super Bowl wins in part because he has zero playoff appearances. He's only been in the league two years, but the clock is ticking on Kyler Murray. And he spoke to reporters yesterday. And look, let's just hear what he said, and I'll talk more about it later because I got some thoughts on this. Here's Kyler Murray bringing up the reality that this football star would still very much like to play a little baseball. Here he is. The day came where I, you know, I got to do what I wanted to do, which I don't know. You know, I'm leaving it open, but <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I think you know, I can. St- I think I can still play for sure. The next contract, will you work that in? And and how serious are you about maybe someday doing all three? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I know. I know everybody around, like around here, probably you know feels different about it. But I mean, me personally, like I. I I played the game my whole life. Like if I if I ever had the opportunity, for sure. Like I would I would definitely go for it. Like that's what are we talking about? <laughs> and I'm sure any anybody else asking me would too. So I don't know. I'm not trying to start anything. I'm just talking. Yeah, it's funny. The Cardinals fans seized on that line to shout down any effort to talk about, write about interpret what he was saying oh he said I'm not trying to start anything I'm just talking well sometimes when you're just talking you start something and sometimes that something's already started it predates his arrival to the NFL Miles he was a top 10 pick the Oakland A's he can go play baseball anytime he wants he has the one thing that 99.9999 percent of pro football players don't have and that is an option to play another professional sport at a high level and get paid accordingly for most pro football players this is the only place they're going to get that money that they're making Kyler Murray can say see you later I'll go play baseball that becomes a valuable tool for him when it's time to receive offers from the Cardinals when it's time to deal with a franchise tag if it gets to that point oh they applied the franchise tag well I'll just go play baseball I'm not under contract I can go play baseball they can't tell me not to I'm going to play baseball from February until August. And then maybe I'll sign the franchise tag and show up for week one. He can do that if he wants to. And as we see this push to minimize the significance of the offseason program, if that continues, why not have a guy say one day, hey, I can do it. I don't I don't need to, you know, I, I'll go play baseball. I'll study my playbook at night. We can do some Zoom calls at night. You cater to me. I'm the starting quarterback. But I, I think that, It's not going away, and as he gets closer and closer to the end of his rookie contract, it becomes a very powerful leverage point for him to get what he wants. Russell Wilson uses that. We hear about baseball every every time it's time for him to negotiate a new contract. Well, Kyler Murray's a hell of a lot better baseball player than Russell Wilson ever will be. Kyler Murray's got a real option if he wants to play baseball, and it seems like he wants to do it. I can't rule it out, and I don't think he should either. Well, I don't think you should rule it out, but I, I also feel like if you're the Arizona Cardinals at some point, and if he actually does bring this up in the negotiation or something like that, you might want to call his bluff because, frankly, he hasn't really played baseball in a while now. I mean, it's been a couple years at least, right? And, you know, when you're talking about somebody who is dedicated his life to being a quarterback and being a great quarterback, then you got to pick up those baseball skills at some point. Now, I'm not saying that I don't think he can, but – I also don't think it's like 
if Kyler Murray says, okay, I'm going to go play baseball, then he's immediately going to go be the starting center fielder for the Oakland A's, right? Like that's not a thing that's going to happen. He'd have to at least go get some at bats somewhere else so that he gets ready for it. And that's something that you can obviously do. I mean, if it's, he decides that it's going to do it in February, well, then you got all the spring training to get yourself ready. And maybe you just see that, Hey, like he can really do this. He can come up to the majors and bat like 250, get on base at like a 350 clip and be good enough that you can play him every day. But I think it, it's at least a very interesting conversation that he brings up, even though he says he's just talking, right? I, I, if you are that good as a quarterback and you are the centerpiece of the franchise, which you are, if you are a franchise QB, then you are going to have to exhibit or utilize, I guess I should say, every bit of leverage that you can in order to get as much money that you can. And this is one piece of that. First of all, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you underestimate the ability of a baseball player to, to pick it up later in life and nearly get to the major leagues? How dare you overlook the fact that we recently had a guy who hadn't played baseball since high school, who had a dream, oh he indulged that dream, and he made his way through the New York Mets farm system based solely on merit and nothing else from Class A to Double A to Triple A on the verge of making it to the show, Miles. He was there, and he decided it was time to retire. He decided he had other things that he wanted to do. How dare you think that Kyler Murray couldn't do the same thing? I didn't say I didn't think he could do it. I just think that it, would, it wouldn't be as immediate. And, like, if you want to play baseball that badly, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe Kyler Murray can go and play baseball, and then he comes back and he says, actually, I want to be a tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> yeah. That would be a real story there, wouldn't well, it? Listen, huh? hey, it's a lot easier to beat the linebackers when you're a tight end if you can actually run through their legs. So he, <laughs> he could be very effective at the tight end position. Um, look, I, I, I just think that, that he has in his arsenal when it's time to negotiate something that others don't, and it's real. And, and you know what makes it even more persuasive? It, it's, I don't think it's leverage. I think he wants to do it. He really wants to do it. He wants to show he can do it. Deion Sanders did it. Brian Jordan did it until he picked baseball over football. Hey, hey, look, Miles, I, I'm a football guy through and through, but I've always said if you've got the skills to play baseball – or basketball instead, you should because your body's going to come out of it a hell of a lot less mangled, especially if it's baseball. You're going to play longer. Jeff Samarja, he, he was a Notre Dame receiver regarded as a first-round prospect, 2007. He chose baseball instead. Calvin Johnson played football, same draft year, 2007. Samarja played longer and made more than Calvin Johnson. Because they've got those guaranteed contracts. Yeah, if you are a top-tier baseball player – you're looking at a guaranteed $300 million contract at this point, if not more than that, right? I mean, I don't, I mean, Francisco Lindor, I think, just got over $300 million for the Mets. And like, he's finally starting to hit, but before that, he was batting like 190 something. So, like, you can make a lot of really good money if you are a baseball player, right? And I think that from that standpoint, yeah, if you have those skills to be a top-tier guy, which Kyler Murray does because he was a top-10 pick in baseball, 
then yeah, it's something that you should definitely consider. Now, I do. I think it would be really cool if you know the A's sort of traded the Kyler Murray rights to uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and then like maybe one day you see that Kyler Murray is doing stuff in OTAs or minicamp, and then he gets in his car, he drives down to whatever they call the Diamondbacks field now, Chase Field or whatever it is, and then he gets out, and then he like goes and starts in center field because. He's a two-sport athlete. Like, that's fun. I was back in 1992 when you were a year old. There he is. There he is. Oh, oh. Come on, one more try. Come on. Fall down. Go boom. I was at the game when Deion Sanders showed up and played for the Braves after playing earlier that day in the NFL. So, and that that's one last point on this. Bo Jackson played for the Royals the full season and then showed up with the Raiders after baseball was done. There's enough overlap where you got to be fully committed to one or the other. One or the other's got to take precedence. One's got to be rock, paper, scissors over the other. And if you're a quarterback, it's kind of hard to to show up in mid-October and say, hey, here I am. Let's go. You ready? Let's go. So it would have to be baseball willing to take him on a part-time basis and have him disappear just as the season is you know, reaching the stretch run. I, I don't know how interested a, a baseball team would be in that, Miles. Oh, well, if they're terrible, right? You know, if you're going to go 50 and 100 and whatever. So the Mets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Mets could have them, you know. The Diamondbacks, I don't think are, well, are they good? I actually don't know. I think the Giants were in first place the last time I checked. I the Mets know. are it's good. Like- the Mets apparently are good now. I, okay, I, you know, yeah. I, for the first time in 50 years, the Mets are good. Sorry. Sorry, well, I haven't made attention. Talk. I hope you guys weren't, you know, expecting us to really know all that much about baseball because clearly we <laughs> don't. Yeah, and it's playoff basketball time, so baseball is like way down on my priority list. <laughs> I'm gonna watch the Lakers tonight. I'm all over the playoff basketball. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let, let's hear a little more from Kyler Murray about what happened last year when he got the shoulder injury. He started running less. The passing wasn't there. Defenses were catching up to him. You you make him one-dimensional and it's a problem here he is talking about how running should be built into his overall game honestly the way I see it is uh you know my, my legs should be a luxury um and and it kind of it kind of wasn't like that last year it was kind of me um having to run for us and so or in a sense and um you know once once you know I was you know my shoulder was banged up or whatever and I wasn't you know I wasn't trying to uh, put myself out there and take those hits and stuff like that uh we kind of we kind of took a law, you know, hit a law, and um, you know, I, honestly, I think it was good for us. Uh, you know, I think it was a lesson for us that um, you know we, we can't be one dimensional. Uh, we just got to be better in all all areas, all aspects of the game, and um, you know, do the little things right. Because you know, like I said, I told you last year we started off hot, and at the end, towards the end, we kind of just you know we we were losing games we shouldn't have lost, and I think that's that's a sign of inconsistency and not doing everything right on and off the field. So. Um, like I said, there's a lesson for us, and I think we'll be better for it. They were six and three after the Hale Murray game, and or no, before as of the sorry, let me try that again. They were six and three as of the Hale Murray game. After that, they were two and five. The shoulder injury, which happened at some point before that, it got worse. They had the short week, the game against the Seahawks. He was obviously injured in that game. And, and that, that hampered him the rest of the way. And the running wasn't there because you didn't want to bang up the shoulder. You take away the running. It's easier to defend the passing. When the th- That's one of the things that helps you pass the ball. The threat of the run maybe causes the defensive backs to be peeking back, the linebackers to be ready to go chase him. And you got to be able to, to do both. 
if you're Kyler Murray. And I agree the running should be a luxury, but the threat of the run is what's going to help you as a quarterback. You take that off the table, Miles, he's a lot easier to defend. Absolutely, because when you're talking about Kyler Murray and why he was the first overall pick, it's because he has the ability to run, and he is so fast that he can outrun so many defenders on the field, and he does a really good job of it. But I think, you know, him saying, I want to be a pass-first guy, you know, my legs should be a luxury, that makes a lot of sense, just based on the way offenses are constructed as a quarterback, you really probably should be passed first. Like, that's just the way things should work. And then if things break down, if you have to run, then yeah, run. And because Kyler Murray's so fast and he's got that innate ability, he can evade guys, he can get first downs, he can get you touchdowns. But I, I agree with what he's saying that, you know, the legs should be a luxury. And when you've got somebody like DeAndre Hopkins as well, you know, and they've got some other guys too. You know, they just signed AJ Green. They've got uh, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella. Isabella's a really fast guy. But when you've got somebody like DeAndre Hopkins, who I believe is the best receiver in football, then take advantage of that. You know, throw the ball to him. Find ways to get him open. Um, and if you can do that, then you're going to be better off as a team and especially in a division that's as hard as the NFC West, that's probably their best path, not just to victory, but to a potential wild card spot in the playoffs. And then you have playoff success that way, too. They had all those years in the NFC East, and now the NFC East is horrible, and they would be arguably the best team if they were back in the NFC East. Now they're in one of the toughest divisions in football, and even if they were improved this year, they still may end up in last place. And I love watching Kyler Murray play. And they do have the weapons. He pointed that out yesterday. They used a second round pick on receiver Rondell Moore out of Purdue. They've added AJ Green. Larry Fitzgerald, this is the strangest retirement I've ever seen. No, he hasn't said a word. It's June. He hasn't said anything about his future. There's no room for him on the Cardinals depth chart, barring an injury, but they've got the weapons. I love watching Kyler Murray play. He's got to stay healthy. He's usually very good at avoiding hits. He's got to be even better than that this year if they want to get to where they need to be. We'll stay in the NFC West when we return because yesterday Rams coach Sean McVay took a shot at former quarterback Jared Goff, unless of course he didn't. We'll discuss that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. 
I think I've been very happy. Everybody says, man, you just seem like you're in a better mood this offseason. I say, you're damn right I am. So this guy, uh, he's a special guy. I think uh, one of the best ways that I can describe him, when you hear people that have been around him, there's a there's a known confidence where when he walks into a room, you always feel his presence, but he's got a great humility about himself uh, that everybody loves being around him, and, and he's one of those guys that I think is a true igniter. It makes everybody around him better. I feel like I've become a better coach in the few months that we've been able to spend together, and uh, we're looking forward to doing a lot of good things together. I hate that I even have to say this, but I think uh, I made a comment earlier that was definitely taken out of context. I am very excited. I have been in a good mood because of the confidence I have in this team, but by no means is that a slight to anybody you know, like Jared, who has done a phenomenal job for the last four years here. You know, I, I hated that I even have to address that, but I do think out of respect for him and all the good things he's done, I am in a good mood, but that doesn't mean it's not because we're working together uh, or because of just Stafford exclusively. There's a lot of good things going on that I feel really good about and I'm confident about. So don't twist my words when I didn't say that. Oh, God help me. Come on, Sean McVay. Come on. Come on, I man. love the What tone. are you going to believe? What are you going to believe? What are you going to believe? What are you going to believe? You're going to believe... The loose and relaxed Sean McVay where the truth escapes his vocal cords? Or are you going to believe the hostage video? Which one are you going to believe, Miles? <laughs> Listen, I spent, as we know, a lot of time covering Sean McVay, man. And, like, whenever he uses the tone, when he brings it out like this, you know, he, don't twist my words. Like, he used the same tone when he was talking about Matthew Stafford. You're damn right I'm in a better mood. Everybody tells me, hey, you look like you're in a better mood, man. Like, yeah, you're damn right. Like, come on. Like, it's not when I first saw that video, I first saw the comments and I, I sent it to a couple buddies of mine. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, what's he doing here? Like, can he help himself? And then the same thing when I saw the video, I'm like, this is worse. Like, if you're Jared Goff and you see that, you're like, come on, man. Like, why you got to do something like that? And, and it's not really taking his words out of context. It, it's no, really, no, it's frankly, no, no, it's just not. No. Because no. everybody knows Here's what how happens. he felt about, Sean, no. about Jared Goff at the end there. We all know. People think that if you take a quote out of a broader comment, you've taken it out of context. Not if that quote meshes with the meaning of the broader statement. There, there, uh, there's nothing in what he said that was out of context. It was accurate. It was his feelings. And, you know, I, I, I'm even more miffed that Sean McVay would do this than a player. It's one thing for a player to do it because a player is not there to be a wordsmith. Coaches are communicators. you got to be able to make your point. And if you make your point in a clumsy way that comes off as a slap at the guy who was the quarterback when you weren't in a good mood, if you do that, that's on you as a coach. You've failed to communicate. Don't blame anyone else. Don't blame us. That's on you. Apologize to Jared Goff. Don't blame the media for taking the comment out of context. You're going to lose me there immediately when you try to play those games because we're not dumb, coach. You may think we're dumb. You may think it's enough just to say our name when you're given the answer and we're going to be won over. That's not how this game works, bro. You got to be straight with us. You got to be honest with us. And that that hostage video from yesterday, I look at that and I say, you know what? He really is John Gruden, Miles. <laughs> I, I and I don't mean that in a good way. He's John Gruden. I don't mean I, that in a good I, way. I know. 
Well, I knew that you didn't mean it in a good way. Maybe the audience did. Look, I, I think it's interesting because like, I, there was a period of time where Sean McVay was inextricably linked to Jared Goff, and he wanted it that way. I mean, that was something that he talked about in the summer of 2019 when he got his contract extension. He said he wanted to be tied to Jared Goff, you know, for as long as those two were together, for as long as he was there, you know, as a coach, right? Like that was his thing. And so we all know that that relationship crumbled over the last two years in part because Jared Goff couldn't stop turning the ball over. Right? That was something that he talked about in the season. Our quarterback has to take better care of the football. Then after that playoff loss in Green Bay, Jared Goff is our quarterback right now. You know, you get Les Snead saying he's our quarterback for this moment. And then Jared Goff is gone. And then you bring in Matthew Stafford because you believe that's the guy who can help you win the Super Bowl. So you can play it off as if you're saying, yes, I'm in a better mood because this guy's my quarterback. But the question that he got asked there was basically, what do you think of Matthew Stafford? And then you're saying, you know, everybody says, you look like you're in a better mood. There's only one way to interpret that quote. Like, it's not that it's taken out of context. We have, we have the larger context because everybody knows what happened. So there's only one way to interpret it. And I know that like, you don't want it to be interpreted that way. And it might not have, you might not have even thought that that's where you were going with it as it came out of your mouth. But as people who know the entire context of what this is, when you say something like that, there's only one way to interpret it. And that's the way we have to go with it. I, I just, I don't know what else to say. Almost two years ago to the day. What is today? Today's the 11th. Two years ago to the day. Posted this at PFT. Quote from Sean McVay. Any of the things or narratives that are out there, Jared Goff, as long as I'm fortunate enough to be in this role, hopefully this guy's stuck with me for a long time. I was He's in an the outstanding leader. Yeah. People make a deal about the system. He's the reason why. Our players are the reason why the system is what it is because he can do so many different things. And really, when you just look at the confidence we have in him, taking steps from year one in the system to year two, and just thinking back last year how confident he was. And now I think it's even that much more this year. He's got true ownership, great ability to communicate with his teammates, Yada, yada. That was two years ago today. And, uh, uh, yeah, you're in a better mood now that he's gone. It's fine. It's fine. Why, why, why are you afraid to admit the obvious? And, and you're right, Miles. When you're asked about Matthew Stafford and you're the head coach and you lead it that way, again, this gets back to the ability to communicate or not that a coach truly has. He took it there. Don't blame us. When you took it there, that's the bottom line as I see it, Miles. Yeah, you know, and you can't blame the media for interpreting your words as something like the way that they were interpreted. I just, because like I said, we all know what happened. We all know that he was very disappointed in what Jared Goff had been putting out there the last two years. So if you're in a better mood that because Matthew Stafford's your quarterback, yeah, you should be in a better mood. I mean, like, I would probably be in a better mood too if I thought that I was my team was a quarterback away and then we went out and then we got that quarterback that I think is going to not just take us to the playoff level, help us win a playoff game, but and get our, our scoring level back to the top two, top three level that it was in 2017 and 2018 before you know everybody seemed to figure Jared Goff out and what defenses he could or could not read or what throws he was or wasn't capable of making. 
yeah, like if you think you can unlock everything that you've ever wanted to be as an offense, as a head coach and as a play caller, yes, you should be in a better mood. But you can't blame us for interpreting things based on the facts that we all have in front of us. It, you, I, that's the only conclusion that I can come to here. I got another trip down memory lane for you. This is bringing oh back all sorts of stuff from a couple of years ago, and I've been vindicated, so I'm I'm even happier to share this with you. <laughs> I remember things, when you, you know, were that writing I was, this that I was stuff, wrong Mike. about. Listen, because I reacted, Miles, to the quotes from Sean McVay, which were made before Jared Goff got his second contract. I know. By saying these things, you're driving up his price. His agent is going to print it off, laminate it, and slap it down on the table when it's time to negotiate. You're saying all these great – that's one of the first things I learned in this business, getting to know general managers, executives, coaches. You don't praise your guy publicly until after he gets his contract because they're going to jam it down your throat when you do. So Fred Rogan, who was with the NBCLA affiliate at the time, I frankly don't know if he still is. Uh, I I, I guess he is. Okay, he called me out for saying they shouldn't pay Jared Goff. They shouldn't pay Jared Goff. They should wait and see. He's got three years in, two years left, missed a championship throw in the Super Bowl. It's McVay's system. Why are you going to pay him $35 million a year? It doesn't make any sense to me. Here's Rogan to Goff two years ago tomorrow. I don't know how often you check online and care what the pundits say. One of them suggested that the thing about Jared Goff is there will be a point in time where you're just going to get rid of him because you're going to bring somebody in who's younger, who will be your kind of guy. Now, to me, I thought that was insane because you've developed Goff into one of the top quarterbacks in the game. That was two years ago tomorrow. And you know what? He did bring somebody else in, and he had to tuck a first-round pick into the trade package on top of the one and a three to get rid of Goff's contract. And I still think they did that mile. So staying Cronky wouldn't realize they had to give up a first round pick to get rid of Jared Goff. Well, the only thing you kind of got wrong there was that they were bringing somebody younger. They actually brought in yeah. somebody older. And I, <laughs> I'll, take, you know, I'll take anybody at this point. <laughs> well, I'll take I Joe mean, Namath I, at this point over Jared Goff. Well, I mean, they, they got somebody who they thought could elevate the offense. But I look, I remember when you were writing that stuff, because at the time I was still working there and I'm thinking, man, this guy, Mike Florio, you shouldn't read that crap from that guy. Because what does he know? <laughs> you know? He doesn't know anything. He's not here and every day. And in your wildest dreams or nightmares would you actually <laughs> be working with me? I know. Lo and behold, look where I am today, two years later, man. And look who was right. Because it was just funny because, I, look, the thing about sometimes that what we can do that other people who are in it every day can't do, you see it from this 30,000 foot view, right? And if you're in it every day and you feel like, well, they love Jared Goff. Jared Goff has performed to this level. He's done this. He's done that. They just went to the Super Bowl. You don't necessarily see it from the league perspective where it's like, well, there are probably a bunch of guys around the league who are playing like Jared Goff is playing and could maybe play better in this system. And that is clearly the conclusion that the Rams themselves have come to over the last couple of years, that Jared Goff is not elevating this thing enough so that, you know, you can justify paying him what they're paying him, what they were paying him. And now Detroit's partially paying now. So, you know, when you go out and you get Matthew Stafford, like, yeah, it's vindication for you for those things that you wrote two years ago, but it's also, you're, you're admitting basically that you made a mistake in paying Jared Goff what you paid him and giving him that contract. And so all these things now from two years ago, it's like, man, you know, Florio, I guess was right. And maybe you should read that crap because you might learn something for later.
That, that is the best endorsement we've ever gotten. And, and look, here's the thing. I don't, I don't mean to pick on Sean McVay, but, but don't, don't, don't listen. There's a price to be paid when you play that game with the media. Never pick a fight with someone who buys their ink by the truckload. Don't blame us for the thing you said. You said it. Own it. Period. Let's take a break. When we return, a lot's being said about the COVID vaccination. We're going to say a few things about it, and half of you may decide to turn off your TV, but we got to speak truth. And we're going to do it when PFT Live continues right after this. You guys like Mike Florio. I mean, don't waste your time reading, uh, reading crap like that. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm not a fan of it. I'm uh, I probably won't won't get vaccinated until until uh, got more facts and all that type of stuff. But no, I'm not a fan of it at all. What is your hesitation with getting the vaccine? If you don't mind me asking. Well, I mean, I haven't I haven't caught uh I haven't caught COVID yet, so I don't mean I don't see me treating the I don't I don't see me treating COVID until I actually get COVID. They want everybody to be vaccinated to uh. To move more freely around the facility and around as we're traveling and all that type of stuff. But I mean, everybody has their own beliefs and they are entitled to their own decision. I haven't been vaccinated yet. There's a ton of different things that go into it. Um, I'm going to evaluate that on my own and, uh, you know, make the best decision that I feel like is, you know, again, the best for, for myself. Every time I hear that, Miles, my first thought is, what, what, what have you evaluated? Why haven't you fully evaluated it yet? This is an issue that's been around for months now. What information have you relied upon? What are the pros? What are the cons? Do you have a sheet like when Walter White was deciding whether or not he was going to kill the guy in his basement? Or I think it was in, I think it was in Jesse's basement. Do you have the pros and the cons that you've put on a legal pad? Have you really done the work? Or is this just your way of running out the clock changing the subject and you'd rather say i'm evaluating things instead of i ain't getting that shot i don't intend to get it i'm not going to get it and when i do evaluate it i am going to lock on to anything i can find that tells me i shouldn't get it well i mean you get montez sweat saying i need to find out more information and facts in the same breath that he's saying i don't like the fact that they brought in an expert on this to inform me of what the facts are i don't understand that I really don't. I'll never understand it. I, I, there's, 
I understand that people are entitled to make their own decisions and good for them. But at this point, if you don't want the shot, own it. You know, stop saying I, I'm still evaluating. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I need to do more research. Everybody in this country has been eligible to receive a vaccine for a month now, at least. Okay. It's free. You can walk into your local Walgreens, Dwayne Reed, Rite Aid, whatever it is, and get a shot. You can do it at the grocery store. I've been in the grocery store lately where they literally said over the loudspeaker, if you're in the store and you would like to have a COVID vaccine, the Johnson and Johnson and Pfizer shots are available at the pharmacy. Okay. If you, if if you're not going to do it, you're not going to do it, but own that and stop saying that you're evaluating these things because you're obviously not because if you were, then you wouldn't still say you're evaluating it because there's been so much information that is readily available to you and teams are providing it for you. So I don't want to hear anymore. I'm evaluating. Just say you're not going to get it and own it. If you're Sam Darnold, starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, you have access to team doctors, league doctors, union doctors, and you could contact the guy who writes the checks, the guy who has been ridiculously successful, the guy who has billions and surely has access to top epidemiologists who would be able to get on the phone, have a conversation with Sam Darnold, answer his questions, put his mind at ease if Sam Darnold really wants that. He doesn't. And this is where it gets very delicate for coaches and others in an organization. We've seen two different approaches, generally. You've got the coaches who are being coaches like Bruce Arians. He was asked about bringing in a specialist yesterday on the vaccine. He said, I'm the specialist. I don't see any reason to not get vaccinated. And you know Bruce Arians isn't going to hesitate to go into the locker room and say to the guys, get your vaccine. Then you've got Matt Rule, the coach of the Panthers, who says, I don't tell anyone what to do. Matt Rule understands that this can create division in the locker room. Matt Rule understands this can create resentment You got Ron Rivera bringing in a vaccine expert, and you got Montez Sweat saying publicly, I'm not a fan of that. Not a fan of the vaccine. He's not a fan of bringing in the expert. So this is a tough and delicate situation for coaches. And I think part of what they're hoping guys will do is that as they realize on their own the benefits of being vaccinated, what it means to be vaccinated versus what it means to not be vaccinated, then they'll choose to get vaccinated. Whether it's not having to wear a mask, whether it's being able to leave town during the bye week, something Peter King pointed out a couple of weeks ago in Football Morning in America, or whether it's the simple reality. And Miles, there's a good chance that the vast majority of guys who haven't gotten vaccinated yet, who say they're gathering information, there's a good chance they have yet to connect the dots from not getting vaccinated to the possibility of finding out on a Saturday night, you can't play tomorrow because you tested positive today because you're not vaccinated. And it happened this weekend. Guy got yanked off the course leading up in a tournament that paid out $1.7 million to the winner. He was leading far and away. It was his. And he was told, you're out, you're done, you tested positive. And, and I don't know how closely guys who are in the bubble follow those things, but I think they're going to start to realize it. And the problem is if you wait until the season's already started and guys start missing games who aren't vaccinated because they test positive, you know, it's going to take time to get yourself fully vaccinated where you've avoided that risk. But I I think you're going to have some regret from some of these guys 
because you, you look at what they'll do to get on the field. The things they'll take to get on the field. The vaccination ensures that you're going to be on the field. And I just don't know that many guys have figured that out yet. I don't know why they haven't figured it out yet, Mike. I, I don't know why. I, I just, I don't know. I, and I guess that this just stems from what, what, what's going on with, with my life and whatever they, they it is. They plug their ears and they're not listening. I guess so. But like, what, what have you been doing for the last, you know, year plus, almost year and a half that we've been going through this? Don't you want to stop going through this? The way to, to stop going through this is to get the vaccine. There are millions and millions, maybe billions of people around the world who would love to have the same access to this vaccine that we have as a country. Literally, like I said, you can go to any drugstore you want and just get a shot and people won't do it. And I, I don't understand it in general in life. I certainly don't understand it in the NFL. I, I don't get it. And like, I guess that's just me. I, but I'm never going to get it. I mean, the second I could get a shot, I wanted that thing in my arm and I got it I, because I'm tired of this. I'm very, very grateful I was able to do that, especially as soon as I was able to, because I was living in Ohio. But like, man, I just, I look at this and Mike, I just don't get it and I'll never get it. I made the argument yesterday that guys who aren't vaccinated, who land on the COVID-19 reserve list this year should not be paid. Last year, hey, anyone can get it anywhere, anyplace, anytime. There's no vaccine, no harm, no foul. If you're on the COVID-19 reserve list, you still get your game check. This year, the vaccine's available. The facilities are generally safer than the rest of the community, given the steps taken and given the urging to get guys vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated and you can't play because of it, you don't get paid. Now, D. Smith told reporters yesterday, players will get paid if they're not vaccinated and can't play due to COVID-19 and players can't be cut due to not being vaccinated. And we've heard that time and again. The league hasn't pushed for the permission to factor in vaccination status in deciding whether or not to keep guys. But you know what? Here's a reality. I think the union knows this, Miles. It's going to be a factor. And coaches and general managers having learned from the example set by Brandon Bean of the Bills, who said the quiet thing out loud a few weeks back, they're not going to have a paper trail. They're not going to say it. They're going to know who's vaccinated and who isn't. You can't hide that. Guys wearing masks aren't vaccinated. Guys not wearing masks are vaccinated. They're going to have that information. And Montez Sweat and Sam Darnold don't have to worry about it. But you know who has to worry about it? Anyone whose spot on the roster is not carved into stone. Any of those other guys. Beyond the first 25, I'd say once you get beyond the first 25 players on the roster, you're in jeopardy. Well, you know what? If you're not vaccinated, you're in greater jeopardy. And and you could say, oh, they can't do that. Well, you know what? They're going to do it. And you yeah. ain't going to be able to prove that they did it. Because at the end of the day, it's going to be a coaching decision. And the union rarely tries to poke through coaching decisions. Now, maybe they'll try to, to fight a few of these. Maybe somebody will say something they shouldn't have said. Maybe Bruce Arians will go too far and being candid about his views. But it's not going to stop these teams from considering that. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? I got two guys who are relatively equal in skill. One guy's vaccinated. One guy isn't. Hell yes, I'm keeping the guy who's vaccinated. And the players need to realize that. 
the guy that because that guy's gonna allow you to move freely about the facility better. He's gonna allow you to travel a little bit easier. He's gonna be able to do everything he needs to do easier. You know, whether it's going out on the weekend, going out to dinner, you know, on the bye week, as you were saying earlier, like Peter King pointed out, you get to travel and go where you want because you've gotten this shot. It's it's a competitive advantage as well. And that's the start the stuff we were starting to see on these coaching staffs, right? Where they're talking about, well, is the coaching staff vaccinated or not? You know, if you're not vaccinated, then you can't be in the same room as the rest of your players. And that's a competitive disadvantage at that point. So you have to do everything you can in order to win, right? Like that's what these coaches are usually about. And so this, at this point, is getting vaccinated or not getting vaccinated, it, it at some point becomes a competitive advantage if you do, and if you don't, it's a competitive disadvantage, whether you're a coach or whether you're a player. And they basically have made it around the league so that people, the support staffs and everybody, those guys have to be vaccinated because otherwise you're not going to be around the players. So I just, like I said, I don't, I don't really understand not getting vaccinated in the first place, but maybe if they're explained to in this way where it's, yes, this helps us win, maybe that will help people understand that this is something that we need to do as a society, not just as an NFL team, because it's a public health crisis. The most common justification given for everything a football team does is that it was in the best interest of the team. It is in the best interest of the team to have as many players vaccinated as possible. It is in the best interest of the team to weed out the guys who aren't vaccinated, all things equal. You got a superstar, you're not going to cut him. Josh right. Allen doesn't have to worry about being cut if he doesn't get the vaccination. Anybody who isn't Josh Allen, you better be damn sure that you're going to be safe. You better talk to your agent. You better have a, an objective 30,000-foot assessment of your career because you may get a surprise come August 31, and you may be on the outside looking in, and it may trace back to you not being vaccinated, especially if there's a chance that, you know, the coach has enough to worry about on Saturday night. The last thing the coach wants to worry about on Saturday night this year is getting the email from the lab saying this player, this player, this player, this player, they're out for tomorrow because they tested positive and they're not vaccinated. So guys need to understand that. If, if you want to enhance your chances of making your salary this year, you get vaccinated. And you think about all the crap you've taken over the years to play football, whether it's on the approved list or not. How much research have you done? How much research did you do into Toradol before you took that shot for the first time? Or was the only research necessary, will this make it stop hurting? Yes. Okay, give it to me. Oh, you know what? There's a chance this may cause long-term kidney. I don't care. Give it to me. So I think once guys realize it's going to be an impediment to their careers, that, that, and, and the problem is the teams can't say it. <laughs> they, can, they can just put out the breadcrumbs and hope that they figure it out on their own. Yeah. Well, production equals tolerance, right? You know, the more productive you are, the more tolerant the team is going to be of any crap you pull that, you know, distracts from what it is that we're doing or, you know, makes it so that it makes us a maybe a little bit harder for us to win. So, you know, like you said, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, those guys are quarterbacks. Elmonte Sweat, he's a good defensive player. Right. Like these, these are people, these are players that probably don't have to worry about, you know, I'm not going to get vaccinated. So I'm in jeopardy because of that. Like, no, not those guys, but like your run of the mill guys. Everyone else. Yeah. Well, you're 40 to 53 on the roster. 
Yeah, like it, it's going to be something you worry about because it, it's almost like what we were talking about with you know the off-season program, right? And it's voluntary, and we know it's voluntary in some ways for some people. If you're going to stay away, then some rookie is going to come in and take your job. It's the same sort of situation. And I guess maybe that's how we have to explain it to people, Mike, because I, I just obviously, you know, from a, a global standpoint that we are in this country, like telling people, like, if you get the shot, it's good for you and it's good for society. That's not working. You know, the, the levels have dropped off of people getting their vaccines. So I don't know how we have to explain it to people that makes it seem like it's good for you individually, but maybe that would help. One last example before we take a break, especially this year with the salary cap being $25 million lower per team than it would have been but for the pandemic. You got a veteran who's making $7 million this year who not only hasn't been vaccinated but is a vocal force in the locker room against it. He's on one hand. On the other hand, you got an undrafted rookie making $700,000. He's been vaccinated. He's looked pretty good. You know, how the coach processes assessment of performance, how much he'll trust a guy, it could be influenced by that. So I got a guy who not only has refused to be vaccinated, but he makes $7 million. I need that cap space. He's, he's a disruptive force when it comes to what I'm trying to get guys to do. He's going to get a surprise on August 31. I don't know anyone specific who falls into that category, but it's just an example of how it can go. That's the kind of research that the players should be doing. You're not really doing the research about the vaccine. You should be doing the research about how the team is going to deal with this issue as we get closer to the start of the season. Let's take a break. Weekend review, word association style, when PFT Live continues right after this. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 